Welcome to the Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters, and joining me today is David Little, Chief Executive of online investment service Ipsu Facto Investor. Most private investors don't have enough money to invest directly in commercial properties such as office blocks, shops and warehouses, but they can access it via collective funds. The problem is, while funds aim to allow daily trading, it takes a lot longer to sell an asset such as a skyscraper, which could be necessary if a fund needs to reimburse investors taking their money out of it. This has led to funds changing their pricing structures to discourage outflows, and in extreme cases, preventing investors from withdrawing any of their money for a period of time, typically a few months. David, how serious is the risk of not being able to access your money for months if you invest in an open-ended property fund? Well, of course, Leonora, nothing is impossible. But um, I think it's quite unlikely that we're going to see anything too bad as a direct result of Brexit over the next few months. And that's because I think there's um, it's clearly uh, an, an area that people have thought a lot about. There are, the risks are quite evident um, and there's probably more liquidity in funds than there would have been post-referendum. You have to recognise or remember that the, uh, the referendum was, was a shock and one of the reasons why property funds then closed was that uh, effectively the market froze up. And in, in that situation, when there are no transactions, it's very difficult to get an idea of what the proper value of, of, uh, of the fund is. And that, that would have been one of the reasons why um, the funds had to close in the period after the referendum. That said, this, uh, I suppose this risk, um, it, it is there. But there's another way you could invest in a, a closed-end fund, such as an investment trust or a real estate investment trust, uh, which you can always trade on the market. So are they better ways to get exposure to commercial property? Uh, we think, yes, they are generally, generally better ways to get exposure to property. Um, and that's really because uh, the market... Well, firstly, obviously, you have that liquidity which won't be taken away uh, in whatever circumstances... Um, unless the whole stock exchange goes bust, but um, we think that's unlikely. Um, but um, the second point is that the market moves quite quickly to uh, reflect what, what their estimation of the uh, underlying market values are. So that, that when you're trading in an investment trust that invests in property, you have a much better idea that the prices that you're trading at reflect the market market's estimation of what is really going on in the world. Okay. Uh, that said, uh, nothing's perfect, is it? So um, what problems might you incur if you access commercial property via an investment trust? Well, clearly you've got the, the uh, usual problems facing an investment trust that uh, the discount can move out um, quite considerably. And uh, there is potentially gearing and usually most property investment trusts would be geared. That's debt for debt. Yes, yeah. absolutely mm. borrowing. So you, you potentially get this double negative whammy effect when things are going badly that, that both the discount moves out uh, and you get the amplified effect of the borrowing uh, on a market that's falling. Equally, of course, it works the other way around. Mm. And uh, if things turn out not as bad as some people are expecting or even 
you know, there is a positive movement in property, then obviously you get that benefit more in a, in a trust than you do in a fund. Okay, well, bearing that in mind, I mean, and bearing in mind the uncertainties ahead, I mean, how likely a commercial property investment trust to experience massive share price declines and widenings of a discounts to NAV in the near future, like they did in 2016 and like they did in 2008? Uh, I think um, less likely than in those periods because, as I was saying earlier, a lot of this is already priced into the market. And if you look at some of the trusts, they're already trading at a discount to their net asset value. Now, that, of course, probably reflects the fact that the net asset value itself may be overstated. But the market has moved in a number of cases to, um, to, to value them at a discount. Whereas if you look back uh, four or five years, uh, routinely these sort of trusts were trading at quite a large premium because of the, the yield was a, a, appreciated. Now, of course, it's not, as ever, it's not just the Brexit effect and uncertainty. A lot of the impact on property trusts has come from the retail sector. So shops closing on the high street. Uh, and that has had a big effect on on trusts, which uh, seem to seem to have a, a big exposure to the high street. Okay, so a number of issues, perhaps not issues in the past. That said, if you're in a property investment trust that's experienced a massive share price fall, right? You probably don't want to sell it, do you? Kind of at a loss to what you bought it. So, isn't this actually more or less the same as being unable to take your capital out of an open-ended property fund for a few months? Well, I would argue not, because um, you will always have that liquidity. Uh, and um, the fact is, as I said before, you can be reasonably confident that you're dealing at a price that reflects the real value. Now, um, I think that's just a better situation to be in than not, not to be able to trade. But you might have to sell at quite a massive loss. You might have to yeah. sell at a loss. But remember that also that's sell, in the context yeah. that... Um, that current values for an investment trust, at least, are more likely to reflect the outlook over the next, whatever it is, 12 mm. months or so. I suppose just um, thinking again about all those risks, actually, should you have any kind of exposure to UK commercial property, um, you know, with any kind of fund, or should you just avoid the sector? Well, I think, um, I mean, our view on this, and, and it's been consistent for a while, that is that property is not a particularly or commercial property is not a particularly good diversifier from equities because for obvious reasons uh, it tends to move in line with the economy as do equities um, so uh, first thing is don't look on it as something that will diversify your risk away from a, another part of your equity portfolio think of it more as a part of your equity portfolio having said that I think a small exposure to UK commercial property as part of your overall UK asset exposure is perfectly sensible at the moment because the yields are attractive. Uh, there are, as we said, discounts in the investment trust sector. And we've had all this uncertainty. Now, there is, of course, this, this question about retail and, and the high street, which we, which we talked about. But again, uh, a lot of that is already discounted in the price. So for getting that... Um small exposure. Um, are there any particular property funds or trusts that you'd suggest? Well, we like, um, we like the trusts, as I said. 
FNC Commercial Property Trust. It's down about 5% over the last three years. So looking back at the pre-referendum period of March 2016, most property funds are up a few percent or a bit more over that period. So you're getting into something that's already a bit cheaper. Uh, It's standing at an 11% discount. It yields nearly 5%. It has got some retail exposure, but not quite as much if you look what's behind that, as uh, some people might think. So we like that trust. Also, standard life property investment we like. But for those who want to diversify their risk a bit more, uh, the good old standard of TR property is one that's hard to beat. That has uh, both UK and European exposure and gives you some protection if, uh, if things do really go badly and sterling collapses even more than that European property will be worth a bit more in, in, in sterling terms. OK, and I should add, that's not actually mostly invested in direct properties, it's property securities. Oh, exactly, and, and that's actually the other point. At all. The other yeah. point I wanted to make mm-hmm. is that, that some of the funds uh, as well are invested in property shares as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, direct property. And so if you're looking for exposure through funds, uh, it's not a bad idea to look at those sort of funds that have the exposure to shares rather than the direct property, partly because the shares have also Mm. fallen quite a lot and therefore are discounting some quite bad news. Yeah. Okay, thank you, David. Some really good suggestions. And see this week's big theme for more on the benefits and risks of different types of property funds. UK assets, such as commercial property, as we have been discussing, have been negatively affected by the UK's vote to leave the European Union and, more recently, the ongoing uncertainty about how and when it'll happen. David, how has uncertainty on Brexit affected UK equity markets? Well, there are a number of influences here. Clearly, the most affected are those companies uh, and and funds that invest in the companies that have exposure to the UK domestic market principally. Uh, of course, there have been some offsetting factors from the decline in sterling that, that have helped the value of exporters and those companies that generate a lot of money uh, or a, a lot of their revenue over, overseas. So there are these, these offsetting factors. But, but if you look at the UK market overall, and again, of course, it's never one factor that explains anything, but the UK market has substantially underperformed other developed markets over just about all time periods, one, three and five years, and quite significantly so. Now, there are other factors. There's the dominance of financial institutions in the UK market, which generally have been quite weak. There's the ups and downs of the commodity and, and mining sector, which again is overrepresented in, in, the, in the UK. But quite surprisingly, actually, small cap, uh, which you would expect to be the most exposed to the UK domestic sector and to have uh, therefore uh, performed the worst, is is actually up 11% over three years if you look at the FTSE X uh, investment company index. And whilst that's underperformed everywhere else, it hasn't actually been the disaster you might have expected. Obviously, near term, uh, things have been choppy, perhaps not so great. Are the falls warranted or have investors overreacted? As ever, there are a number of things going on. And uh, it's not just Brexit, because the international uh, nature of the UK market means that the 
trade tariff disputes between the US and China, the um, pronouncements from the Federal Reserve, and geopolitical risk generally, and, and, uh, and, and most obviously the strength of the, or otherwise of the Chinese economy, have a big impact on the UK market. So that explains quite a lot of the volatility, as well as simply the uncertainty around Brexit. Having said that, in the context of obtaining long-term equity exposure, I think the UK market is reasonably good value at the moment. The the FTSE 100 yields 4.5%. You know, that's quite an attractive income. And because of the international nature of it, you have some protection through sterling that if if things go badly wrong with Brexit, sterling depreciates and, in fact, your dividend income goes up. Equally, the v- reverse is true, of course, is if things go well, then sterling will appreciate and your dividends will be worth less. Okay, so within that, are there any particular types of UK equities that um, are good? Well, I think if you, if, you look at, if you look at what's really sort of taken the, the biggest hits, it is mainly at least the biggest hits that you can point the finger at Brexit in the most obvious way would be, uh, would be the banks, something like Lloyds Bank, down, you know, it was trading at 72p plus pre-referendum. It's now at 62p. It's a fundamentally very cheap share. It's P is seven and a half times and it's on a yield close to 5%. Of course, there are other issues. There are always other issues around the, mm. the conduct fines and uh, fears about um, loans, etc., uh, but certainly the banks look cheap and the house builders, which have staged a bit of a re- recovery, uh, also, however, look, still look very, very cheap. Uh, Barrett Developments is on a P of eight and a half times, again, has a, a good yield. So if you're looking for uh, funds and trusts that uh, should get a good boost, if things even if things don't go as badly as, as people are expecting, then it's, it's the, the sort of funds that are holding those, those type of companies. You know, what funds would be a good way to get exposure to them? It's obviously difficult to get a pure ex- exposure. And to some extent, we like the idea of, a, of, a, of, of simply buying the FTSE market through an ETF, mm-hmm. like the iShares um, ISF FTSE 100 ETF, for example. But if you're, if you're looking at trusts... One of the worst performing trusts has been uh, the Jupiter UK Growth Trust, where there's also a fund, in fact, which is run by the same fund manager. Um, Now, there are other factors as ever, but that has a good exposure to Lloyd's and uh, some of the domestic, uh, other domestic stocks. Uh, So we like that. Uh, We like Temple Bar which has Lloyds and Bark, both Lloyds and Barclays in it and a certain amount of other UK exposure through, for example, Travis Perkins, uh, which has had a, a good rally actually recently. So those, those are the sort of trusts that we, that, that we like. Moving down the scale, um, things like JP Morgan Midcap, which has had a bad run relatively over the last year or so, uh, relative to its peers, I mean. So I think that that is also uh, an interesting trust, and for for small cap um, Henderson smaller companies. Okay, some um, interesting ideas. I guess to a certain extent contrarian plays. Um, with that in mind, what kind of investors could consider them? 
Well, I think anyone with a a, a long term uh, a long term view who isn't worried about accessing their money, uh, you know, over the the three to five year period uh, that we should be looking at, and people who are not too worried about market value adjustments that that uh, you know might occur over that period. So, investing for the long term. Okay, thank you, David. Some really helpful suggestions. Now, another fund which has substantial exposure to UK domestic equities is LF Woodford Equity Income, run by high-profile manager Neil Woodford. But this fund has underperformed over the past three years. David, is LF Woodford Equity Income's performance maybe a reason not to favour UK domestic exposure? Uh, No, I think actually probably the reverse. I mean, the... I wouldn't um, not favour UK exposure just because of the f- this particular fund has done badly. And, and in many ways, I think now could be an interesting entry point to it or to its sister sister fund. And uh, that's because it, it has the sort of UK exposure that we've been talking about, although not the banks, but it certainly has house builders and quite a lot of indirect property or direct property exposure. So I think this is potentially an interesting entry point for this fund. Another thing about LF Woodford Equity Income is that it it has an allocation to unquoted companies, which is obviously quite a different proposition. But it started to reduce them because it's um, come quite close to a regulatory limit to exposure on them. Is this a good thing? Because obviously it's like it is today, but it's changing its profile. And you did say, well, it actually looks like a good time to enter. But this fund's changing. Is it still a good time to enter? I mean, Well, I think the mm-hmm. fact that it's, it's changing uh, is probably a good thing. But I, I, I agree with you on the idea that... Uh, it's better to get a pure play, so to speak, in which case the income focus fund is probably a preferable entry point. That having been said, I mean, the, 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 the unquoted element, which is now by definition below 10%, is not likely to have a huge impact going, going, going forward. And I suppose the question for investors is whether what is left in there in the unquoted is, is, if you like, the more undesirable bits mm. of of that, uh, or whether there is, you know, potentially uh, good value there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Woodford's plan is to get get them all out of it um, in time. So I suppose it's it's not going to have any. Um, I suppose on that subject, you said, well, you could also invest in LF Woodford Income Focus. If LF Woodward Equity Income gets rid of its unquoted, I mean, will there, do you think there'll be much difference between LF Woodward Equity Income and LF Woodward Income Focus? Well, one has a higher yield and mm. is is more concentrated That's the on focus. the income yeah. focus yeah. has a higher yield. So, um, you know that that's um, that's really the main differentiation. Whether whether the the Equity Income Fund itself becomes more of a higher yield. I mean, it actually fell out of the equity income sector mm. recently because it wasn't yeah. yielding enough. Uh, so whether, you know, that they become, you know, much the same, well, time will tell. What about Neil Woodford's other funds? Do you think they're worth investing in? Well, it's obviously interesting to look at the Woodford Patient Capital Trust and the transaction with the equity income fund and to see... Uh, which has come off the best, really, in this, because 
clearly it's been an advantage for the equity income fund to transfer these uh, unquoteds without effectively going through any market value test. Having said that, obviously the trust uh, is is getting them at NAV and the funds or is suffering a, an immediate hit in terms of the discount on the trust from its holdings. Personally, I'm going to be watching the Woodford Patient Capital Trust very carefully to see what happens to those companies that have been transferred across because the directors need to be very careful that uh, those um, have been transferred across at a, at a proper independent value. And I know that uh, independent valuation has been done, but uh, these sort of things tend to be more of a mathematical exercise rather than something that really gets um, below the skin of a company. And the only people who really know about valuation are the people on the coal face in terms of the, of the management. So uh, we will see. But I, uh, on the face of it, uh, the trust... Woodford Patient Capital, that is, uh, which is standing at a 12% or so discount and should be viewed really as a, as a venture capital or private equity type exposure, is certainly uh, an interesting um, proposition, but clearly for those who can um, stomach quite a high degree of risk. Thank you, David. Some really good points. And see this week's Funds News for a full report on LF Woodford Equity Income's plan to reduce its unquoted exposure. That brings us to the end of today's show. But see this week's Investors Chronicle or the website for more on commercial property, UK equities and Neil Woodford's funds. Thank you for listening and have a good weekend.